0: A weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All are welcome here. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman.
2: Listen, they're all around you,
1: close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. This is one I have been looking forward to for months. And you'll understand why as we get into it today, my guest is a very, very dear friend of mine, a personal friend. We've spent holidays together. We celebrated the new year this year together. I love her and I love her husband. I love her work. Her name is Dr. Beth Mosley. She's a veterinarian. I first knew her as Wolf's stepmother. Some of you are saying, who's Wolf? Others of you are saying, oh, my God, because you know who Wolf is from reading my book, Wolf's Message. Wolf is the young man who was who passed after being struck by lightning the same way as my stepdaughter passed. And his story is incredible. But that is not the reason that Beth is my guest or I would have Mike on with her, Mike's Wolf's dad and her husband. Beth as I said, is a veterinarian, and she helped both of our beautiful dachshunds cross the veil. She came to me, oh, a few years ago and said that she was changing her veterinary practice to in-home end-of-life care for pets. And I thought, wow, that sounds heavy. And we're going to talk about it and why she chose that and how she can Alleviate your hearts and minds if you've ever had to make that decision, or may have that decision coming up. So I assure you, the topic may get a little heavy, but we're going to lighten it up with some stories from across the veil. But I've talked long enough. I want to welcome Dr. Beth Mosley to the show. Thank you, Suzanne. It's an honor to be here. And for those of you who will be watching this later on YouTube, she's dressed in her T-shirt from her company, Pop Prints on the Heart. And if you could see me, you'd see that I'm wearing a great big turtle brooch that Ty gave me, I think, for Christmas or my birthday, some special occasion. And I'm wearing it in honor of Beth's other vocation. Do you want to tell everybody about that? Why am I wearing a turtle pin?
3: Turtles are very special to me. Um, And I do volunteer one day a week at the Georgia Sea Turtle Center here in Georgia.
1: Um, and just help take care of those guys and get them back in the ocean. Yeah, and she's not talking just little turtles like the one on my shirt. Giant loggerhead turtles that weigh up to how much? 400 pounds sometimes. Oh, 400 pounds. And I love that part about getting them back in the ocean. Perhaps that provides a little balance to your work, huh? Yes, although there's also a fair
3: amount of euthanasia unfortunately with the turtles and other wildlife that we see there if we can't rehabilitate them enough to get them back into the wild and do the things they do it's often kinder if we can't find a home in an aquarium or somewhere else it's often kinder to euthanize them as well
1: so here's that topic topic euthanasia and It's interesting, as you you say the word, we humans just don't like to talk about death. So if if you all feel a little clenching in your abdomen and your gut, that's just normal. But I promise you, you're going to hear some very uplifting advice and wisdom today. Beth is one of the most compassionate people I know, especially towards our animals. So tell us about euthanasia. That's a very open topic, but just talk about it. I know that word
3: makes people cringe also. Um, People don't even like to say it when they call me. We have all these euphemisms, put them to sleep, which I don't like. Um, But anyway, the the word euthanasia is derived from the Greek actually means good death. Um, You is good. thanatos is death, I think. Um, so that's where it comes from. Um, considering that life is 100% fatal for all of us here and that death is inevitable, um, it's it's our privilege as veterinarians to be able to provide a good death for our pets. We have hospice care for people, but A lot of my clients say, I wish we could do this for people. And I think we've all been there, but it's really not, it is an active and intentional, um, ending of life, which a lot of people have trouble with. But if we consider that it is a good death rather than allowing a natural death, which is rarely a good death for pets, um, I, I hope I can convince people that it's not such a bad word and it's not such a bad concept.
1: Okay. So how do you deal with every one of your patients having around them family members who are in probably one of their worst moments of their lives?
3: Um,
1: well, I actually
3: consider it very sacred work, as do you with your work, it's a very intimate moment that I get to be in these people's spaces with their most vulnerable moments. And I don't look at the pet as ending its life as a sad thing. I look at it as a release and a freedom that I have the privilege of allowing them. And I'm with people that absolutely love their pets um, and just want the very best for them. So it's very easy to be loving towards the people and to if I can't heal their pet, I can hopefully relieve their pet of suffering and and heal their hearts in some way by allowing them to feel what they feel and go through all the emotions. and I just kind of bear witness to that and and just try to send them love while I'm in their company.
1: Well, I want to talk about that later in the show because uh your after-death care is so incredibly compassionate. We'll get into that later, but let's just lighten things up a bit. I, I want to preface the next question by saying that when you and I met, you were in the front row of a conference. You were there to learn more about the afterlife. And We came to know each other because when you saw how my stepdaughter passed, I remember you reached out and grabbed your husband, Mike's leg and said, Oh my God, you know, she's been there too. In the same way, how is this possible? And then our journey together began then. What was your belief in an afterlife then versus now? Um, It's evolved
3: quite a bit since that day. I, at that time, And prior to that, just hoped there was something more than this life. Um, Didn't really believe it at that point, but hoped for it. Um, And it's definitely through Wolf's help and yours evolved to a belief and even further evolved to a knowing that there is so much more than this life. And it's just such a comfort to myself. In thinking about life and death, but also in my work, it's quite helpful not to just see death as an ending, um, but as just a transition phase.
1: Well, you talked about that release and the joy for the pets when you helped our little girl Gretchen cross the veil. It was just an awful day for us. It had been an awful week. And you helped us know when we would know the time was right. And we'll talk about that in this show. But the last thing I expected was the moment that the medication kicked in to feel this burst of joy as Gretchen's little soul literally was released from that ailing body and she just ran around me. I have goosebumps just remembering that moment and I had tears of joy. The last thing I expected, I, I imagine I'm not the only one of your clients who has ever reacted that way.
3: Uh, You reacted the most in that regard um, with a knowing because you really sensed her presence. I think um, my favorite times when I'm with a family is just feeling that release for them of the, the grief and the anxiety over their pets passing and how would it go and would they suffer and are they suffering now? And am I doing the right thing? I, I love when I can see a family just they're crying when I get there and they're not crying when I leave, which is not common. But that just makes me feel wonderful because the grief will come afterwards. But if they can feel just the slightest bit of they're they're better now, they're not suffering, then I've done my job.
1: Yeah, that's what your job is all about, is relieving the suffering for the pet and the family. So let's tell a story right now. When you and I got together on New Year's, you were sharing this amazing moment when the our connectedness through the universe was so apparent with the the man's house you went to with the pictures around. Will you share that with everybody? Yes.
3: So I had to go to a single man's apartment For a very large dog, and he was very attached to this dog. His secretary had actually called me and said, You need to do this. And I couldn't, of course, approach him. I had to wait for him to be ready. So when he did finally call me, I got to his apartment, and I see pictures of this beautiful woman all around his apartment. And so I don't like to pry, and especially when I'm in that moment, but I had to ask. Who is this woman? And he said, This is my partner. She passed a couple of years ago. And this is how I like to remember her. I said, Great. So um, we went about the process of letting his old dog that couldn't even walk go peacefully. This was a big dog that couldn't even stand up on his own. And he's a lawyer in an office space in his apartment. So we're in his office. So I see all his lost stuff on his computers and everywhere. Um, And so I'm injecting the final solution while the pet's very comfortably relaxed. And as soon as I am done with my injection and the pet has passed, is no longer breathing. I looked up and on the computer screen directly behind him and I, was a picture of this woman who was his partner and his beloved, and a picture of the dog that I just euthanized in younger days running towards this beautiful woman on the beach. And I just immediately snagged my client and said, Look at that picture. And there's said, my
1: there's my goosebump moment it happens every show and that's the first one that all the way down the legs even wow said,
3: oh I haven't seen that picture in a long time and I said it just popped up just now I just saw it pop up he's so, running towards her
1: <laughs> he's running towards her and, and it sounds like it was not a screensaver if he hadn't it's seen not it. on his computer he had his work stuff
3: on his computer it was not his screensaver it doesn't just pop up automatically he hadn't
1: seen it in a while and it just popped up at that moment and stayed up. And I just asked my team in spirit, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. And the answer is because this reality is not as real as you think it is. <laughs> at moments like that when we need a message, when we need comfort, they can pull some strings and do some pretty amazing things. I love that visual. How was he, what was his reaction to that? Yeah. So he was clearly very saddened at the time
3: of Of the process and and I was wanting him to I was wanting to be quiet for him and and let him just do his thing but I had to snag him I said you have to look at that and he just went oh I haven't seen that picture in a while and he kind of didn't really get it like I did and I said your dog is running towards your partner right now (laughs) and he said oh And then a, just a big smile came over him. He was joyful and that profound sadness didn't even come back while I was there. It's not like he went, Oh, and then was sad again. He, he truly got that. I didn't coach him. He just said, he's running towards her. And I said, yes, <laughs> yes. he's with her. And, and it was just a, such joy to
1: see that transition on his face. I feel such gratitude to the universe as you share that story, because it's, it's inexplicable any, any other way than we're part of this bigger picture. Wow. I wish they all would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you? So we'll hear some more stories as we go along. But one of the greatest challenges any of us pet owners face is knowing when is the right time? When is it? How do we know? So
3: I think we need to let go of the notion that there is a right time and that before that is too soon. And after that is too late,
1: it's it's not a target that you need to try to pinpoint. And I have to tell you, as you say that, I know that I was in that mindset. Absolutely. Even to this day. So I can't wait to hear what you say. Well,
3: th- this is probably the most important part of what I do is the decision, because once the decision is made, the process goes and the grief comes and the decision is really what starts it all. And it's it's got to come from the pet owner. I can't I'm not even the regular vet anymore. This is not what I you know, when it is my practice, I could kind of guide people, advise people, counsel people. But I don't have that luxury now, I have to wait for them to call me. And then I can help them with the decision if they're, I know if they're calling me they've already made it in their hearts, but I can help them feel better about making it. Um, And I always I I hear it a lot. I don't want to make this decision. I don't want to be judge, jury and executioner. I don't want to play God. It's not my decision to make. I hear all these arguments. It's against my religion. I've heard. um, And I really just try to, to help people know that we, we as veterinarians have this privilege to end animal suffering and you as a pet owner have the responsibility to make good decisions for your pet you make them all through their lives what to feed them when to take them to the vet what to do when they're not well so this is the most important decision you need to make and the most difficult and the most loving
1: um I love how you just so quickly reframe it. We think, of, you know, we focus on the negative and we feel guilty. We're doing this. We're ending their life. We're playing God. And you just reframed it in you're ending their suffering. You're taking care of them in the most compassionate way. And we have a choice to see it, A or B.
3: Yes. And who among us would not decide to not allow our pets to suffer even one moment if we thought they were suffering? Who wouldn't say, yes, do whatever it takes, end it. Uh, let me take it on. You know, what, what can I do to help this pet that's suffering? This is what you can do. Um, provide them a good death. They're going to die. Um, so let's make it as graceful, as peaceful, as tranquil. And as loving a process as we can make it.
1: And so I think back to when our beloved Rudy passed just a year ago, and it was awful, wondering when is the right time, when is the right time. And I recently, unfortunately, came across a picture of him lying on Ty's chest on the couch. And I know, Ty, that you're listening now, and I'm sorry because these are horrible moments for us. But in that picture, he is so clearly just tired, so ready to go, but we weren't ready. And yet then... This is the part that's, that's hard for people. We gave him treats at the very last minute, and he gobbled them up. hmm You know, and you you helped us with that, but help other people who are dealing with that.
3: I, I get that a lot. Um, and I also get, when I come in their home, pets that haven't gotten up get up, wag oh. their tails, and the people go, oh, he's not ready. Oh, he's, look, he's eating now. He's wagging his tail. No, (laughs) I always there's all kinds of scales you can find on online about quality of life scales and quality of life is not it's more just about their emotional well-being. It's about their physical well-being for sure. Can they get up and move around comfortably? Are they eating? Are they able to do the things that they enjoy? Um, But it's it's their emotional well-being. And a lot of people can see it in their eyes when they're just that blank stare they're just surviving they're tired they're weak um is that the time maybe (laughs) maybe an hour from now they'll kind of rally and get up and wag their tail um it's more about for me when the when their bad times outweigh their good um not waiting until the bad times are all they have and then saying well now he's bad it's time I would I would argue that they would be happier to go sooner than when the bad times are far outweighing the good. Um,
1: Excellent advice.
3: If that's the natural progression, if, if there's no chance of improvement, if you've gotten a terminal diagnosis, if, if it's an aged pet, they're not going to get up and jump around. Or if they do, it'll be a very short term improvement. And I always tell people better, better a week early than a day late. Um, because that last day might be awful.
1: Well, I remember you told me a sign to look for in our Gretchen. You said she will do this. And it was Christmas Day and we went to a Christmas brunch. She had definitely been ailing. She had a big tumor. And I came, Some the voice inside said, go home now and check on Gretchen. And I snuck out of the brunch and I walked in the door and she was doing that. She was doing that thing exactly that you told her to do. And I called Ty and I said, you have to come home now. We have to call Beth, even if it's Christmas Day. And he's even, he didn't want her to go any more than I did. And he said, absolutely, absolutely. She, we will not let her suffer. And afterwards, I suffered thinking, Did we do the wrong thing, blah, 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 all those things you're saying. And Beth, she came to me afterwards in a meditation, speaking in English. Of course, that's how frequency is translated by the brain. And she said, she said, mommy, (laughs) she said, mommy, I had to go then. And I had to do that because that was our sign. That's how you knew it was time. And I just had the greatest aha moment that. That just put it all right. Yeah. And it's not the same sign for every pet.
3: Right. Right. A lot of times it can be so subtle, and people, out of their love, love is blind to the reality of, you know, it can be a very subtle change. They're not quite as interactive with you. They want to be left alone more. Um, It it can be that. You don't, It might be an appetite change, but I've had Labradors that are eating when they can't even breathe at the end. So um, there's not one sign to look for, but uh, you know your pet best if they are just really look in their eyes and search your heart. And if they just have that look of I'm just hanging in here, (laughs) I'm not enjoying it, then you're not doing them any favors by just keeping them going for another day, another week.
1: Uh, how do you help yourself after being in the energy field of people in so much grief? This is a great question for anybody who's in healthcare and dealing with other people's pain. Yeah,
3: certainly any any healthcare worker, any any service industry, really social work as well. Um obviously everyone has to exercise a lot of self-care and have a lot of balance in their life. Um That that compassion fatigue is very real among all veterinarians, not just my specialty. The suicide rate is very high for veterinarians. We want to fix things. We want to heal pets. We want animals to be happy. We don't want to see them injured and sick and not be able to fix it. Um, So it's a very real thing for veterinarians in general. For me, um, like I say, I, I see a sick I see a sick pet and I am relieving that suffering. That's what I focus on. Yeah. I don't think I can fix it. There have been a c- couple cases where I've said, you know what? You might be able to try this and it might help. And I have put it off. But for the most part, by the time people call me, I'm very clear. There's nothing that's going to work. Um, so
1: <laughs> I muted my phone and it's howling. Thanks, Wolf. Well, there's a sign. <laughs> she muted her phone and is howling like Wolf. <laughs> I already muted that. Um,
3: but anyway, um, there there is that detached compassion. I've heard it called compassionate detachment, which I don't like because it kind of focuses on detaching. And I'm very connected to my people, even though I'm only with them for a short time. Um, I detach, but I give them a lot of compassion while I'm with them. But when I walk out that door. Their sadness has to stay with them. It's not my grief to take, and I can't take it, and I'm not helping them by taking it. So I send them love. I am with them in the moment, and I know I did the best thing for their pet, and then I can
1: move on. You actually take care of the pets afterwards, and I know you take them the the vessel, the bodies in your car and you help with all of the, the cremation or whatever the wishes are. And I asked you once, how is that to go home with an animal in your car? And what was your answer?
3: I'm not sure what I told you, but um, but I very much view it. Uh, I'm very respectful in handling that body because it was such an important part of a family But I kind of look at it the way Brenda Baker tells you um, that's just I don't want
1: to say a meat suit because that's not cool with animals. But um, it's we call our people suits, meat suits. Thanks to Brenda and Lynette. But but, yeah, it's just the just the
3: suit they wore while they were here. Um, And so I very respectfully handle
1: that pet as I would my own when it's alive or dead. Um, Well, as we come into a break here, what you said to me, Beth, was I don't find it that difficult because I know that that's not them right that's not them anymore yeah Yeah. that's right but we have some more stories that are just show that the the wonderful pets are still okay and some more discussion with Beth Mosley after the break come on back
0: history dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success join creative artist valerie june aisha ophelia jacqueline suskin and sarah walco for the power of radical imagination a weekend workshop may 24th to 26 at omega institute in rhinebeck new york ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Yeah, I wish this were a lighter topic today, but it's so important because so many of us have had to deal with the passing of a pet who can be like our child. I know this from personal experience and the things you're sharing with us, Beth, Dr. Beth Mosley, a veterinarian who practices in-home euthanasia. The things that you're sharing can really lighten the load on the break my wonderful radio show assistant Lynette texted and says it has bothered me a little ever since my dog boo left that she was eating Turkey as she got her first shot. Now I'm free. Woohoo! What do you had to say to that? Beth?
3: That's awesome. Um, I bring treats to every visit and I really hope that they will eat them for me. Um, some don't, but when they do, it makes it just so much easier for me and for them. And hopefully for the families, if they can let go of that, oh, he's eating, maybe he's going to get better. Um, that isn't the case. It's just something new and from a new person that's come to see them. So they often get a little adrenaline rush and that just makes it a nice, happier kind of time. I often give my first injection while they're getting treats. So they don't even feel that, um, which is wonderful because then they just eat until they get comfortably relaxed, which not
1: a better way to go in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm going to do something unusual in this second half hour. We'll take a caller or two. If any of you have a question about this topic, that we haven't addressed yet, and you want to ask Dr. Beth Mosley that question. You heard the number 816-251, I believe, or is it 215-856? I'm going to look it up while I'm saying it. (laughs) Oh, there it is. 251, yeah. 816-251-3555. But meanwhile, You know, I found this so heartwarming when you were helping our dogs. Both times you asked for help from your mentor in the spirit world. Now that to me shows a major transition on your part. What is that all about? Uh, I do not do this work alone. It is so
3: clear to me that I do not do this work alone. I have hit veins that I couldn't even see had a good
1: way. You're, you're aiming for that vein.
3: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Sometimes my
3: patients are so weakened that I look at their veins and say, there's no way I could hit that. And I ask for help. And I believe I have my mentor on the other side who trained me when I was just out of vet school, um, mentor and friend, I should say. I call on him. I call on Wolf all the time. <laughs> I call on St. Francis, who I am quite sure is with me. And I believe this is a collaboration um, where we do what's best for that pet. And it, it's not about me. It's uh, I've been to appointments on time when I thought I was going to be 30 minutes late. I lose all concept of time when I'm with the family. I don't even think about it. And somehow... They get me out of that house and on to the next appointment right on schedule. And I never rush anybody, but mostly I can feel I've had aggressive, dangerous dogs. And I just say, please let this dog relax. And no, I'm not here to harm it. And they calm down.
1: Um, so I have a whole lot of help on the other side. Oh, I love that. And you just said something that I so honor in you. You don't rush anyone. I know that you have spent hours at somebody's house because you tell them what time you're going to be there and you tell them we won't move forward until you're ready. Right. Correct. Every step of the process. They have to be
3: comfortable. They have to be ready. I check in with them. We talk through it through. I am. There for the families just as much as for the pets. I didn't anticipate that getting into this business, but what I do with the pets really takes about five minutes total. Um, but most of it is reassuring those owners that you are doing absolutely the kindest, most loving thing you can do. I know it's difficult, it's the worst decision you ever have to make. Um, but a lot of it is talking through the process making sure they're ready for the next step of the process, letting them have their time afterwards. Some people want to perform rituals, ceremonies, bathe them, wrap them in special things, bring out all the pictures and the scrapbooks of them. It's whatever makes people comfortable. It's it's hard to go through whatever makes you feel at peace with it there's no rushing
1: that process well i know that you have some uh, stories of your own that you were going to share today but i remember you telling me about the when you took the the cremains back to one family that had a, a great dane that passed and the woman shared an experience asking are you spiritual so part of your great service is the aftercare as well. You do return the cremains and you talk again to the family. Do you remember that story? I, I have two big dog stories, but um, well, t- pick one.
3: This pick, was one where they heard the dog shake. Yes. Um, so I love revisiting my families. Um, I, I leave them in a sad moment. And when I get to return ashes to folks, it usually takes a week and a half, two weeks I get to check on them. Some of them invite me in. We sit down, have a cup of tea. Then they're able to talk about their pet's life and recall great stories and show me pictures of when they were healthy. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, But this particular one asked if I was spiritual, didn't want to tell me this. And I said, absolutely, bring it on. And she said, well, they had a big, great day with big floppy ears, not the upright kind, the big floppy ears. And it was a husband and wife. And they were sitting, he was reading, she was doing crossword. And this dog, when it moved around the house and flapped its ears, everybody woke up. You could hear it from a mile away. After the dog's passing, they were sitting, having a quiet moment in the living room. And she heard the ear flapping quite clearly, whipped her head around. At the same time, her husband whipped his head around. And she said, did you hear that? And he said, what did you hear? And he said, I forget the dog's name. I'm so sorry. But she just flapped her ears. And he said, I heard the same thing.
1: (laughs) At the same moment, they both had the same experience, heard it clear as day. That's awesome. I love that. I know that my tie, we shared it on another program. He's heard the, the ear shake as well. Yeah. How about another one? You said you had two there. The big dog story. The
3: other big dog. When I went back, um, it was a big dog, and that lived with a little chihuahua. And the little chihuahua would torment the big dog, and then the big dog would go to chase the little dog, and the little dog would run under the couch, and the big dog would chase it to the edge of the couch, and then stop and just wag its tail and wait for it to come out. It was a it was a game they played, yeah. and the big dog had to pass. I think he couldn't walk anymore. Um, he was older. And when I brought his ashes back, no, the little dog, sorry, the little dog had to pass. Um, and when I brought the ashes back, she said, she's still here. And I said, what? (laughs) She said, my big dog still at occasions will jump up out of a deep sleep, run around the house as if he's chasing something, chase it under the couch and wag his tail.
1: Oh my goodness. I love that still playing <laughs> Oh, still playing, and we absolutely cannot think they're they're gone forever when we hear stories like that and I know they're not because I talked to quite a few of them in my readings our beloved pets hang around with us where else would they want to be they tell us
3: yes that was
1: I know uh Karen Anderson the animal communicator you
3: spoke with that's uh-huh. um, that's was something that struck me from her book is that those pets were right there and they told her where else would we rather be than with their owners. And, you know, I know it's, it's probably, everyone's heard the analogy of the rainbow bridge and the, the animals that cross over and wait for us. I actually don't like that. Although I like it if it brings peace and comfort to people, but I, I don't like the thought that there's some place they go and that they're just going to wait till we go. Um, I really try to tell people what I believe when they say that. And I say, yeah, I think part of them stays right here with you. Um, But yes, they're absolutely waiting for us, but they're also still right here.
1: I agree with you completely. You have told me a very interesting story about households where you have helped the pet cross, where they have other pets that are there for this occasion. Tell us about that.
3: That, that's most common. Actually, most most people don't just have the one pet, but um, it's always a question. What should I do with the other dogs? Um, I don't want them to see this. Um, should they come and sniff her afterwards after we're done? I like to let the other animals just be just do what comes natural unless there's a puppy that's just aggravating to this um, poor older dog. Um, it's part of the pack. They should be there. They should be present if they want to be, but let them be. And I find that in most cases, they recognize the solemn nature of the of the time. They will come and meet the new person and they'll steal some of my treats. <laughs> and they usually go and lay down in the room, but they're quiet. Um, but more remarkably is, Afterwards, after that pet has passed, it might have been a litter mate that's been with this other pet for their entire lives. They do not, and people always want them to come over and sniff them and know that they're gone. They do not do that. Um, 99% of the time, they completely ignore that pet's body after the process. And Everybody ask me why that is. And I don't know, but I can only imagine that animals being a little bit more intuitive than we are don't sense that spirit there anymore. Don't sense that energy there anymore. Because
1: they That's will step really, right on top of them when they that, that really rings true to me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You say they what? They sit on they'll they'll
3: step over them. They'll oh. they completely, it's like they're not even there. Wow. Um, after they pass. So I I think that energy isn't there and the pets don't sense the energy and then it does just become the vessel.
1: Wow. Very comforting. Very comforting. So we asked for callers and I see we have a caller named Dee who I'm going to bring on now. Dee, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you called in with a question you can ask Dr. Beth right now. Thank you so much.
2: Um, thank you both for this conversation. I just had to put our beloved cat down. And um, I have two questions, if it's okay, because um, the first yeah. one is that uh, my husband woke up this morning and said that he looked at me and he said, I think I have a visitation dream from our kitty. And he said he felt her paw prints, her her, her paws like walking on him. And then he said he just... He put his his hands up and she, to rub her cheeks, and he said he felt her. So oh, I'm wow. curious because I've had visitation from my parents, but I haven't had one from an, a pet, and I was just curious if you've ever heard that before.
1: Well, I know I have, and I know we've had it happen when Rudy walked across us, okay. both of us in the bed, and and okay, neither one of our other dogs had done. So, Beth, have you heard of any experiences like that?
3: I have had people.
1: Definitely sense
3: their pets in different ways when I've gone back and visited them after similar to what you've experienced, feeling them walking on the bed with them or brush against them. They feel their fur on their leg. Um, Definitely a lot of auditory stuff, a lot of collar um, tag jingling and ear flapping stuff. So,
1: (laughs) yeah,
2: Yeah, I think that's awesome. What
1: a wonderful validation. And you had another question. uh, Yeah, I'm just
2: so happy that he got to experience something like that because he's sort of, you know, dabbling and understanding all of this. But um, my second question is for a friend of mine. Um, Her uh, cat was just diagnosed and uh, they just helped her with euthanasia to have a crossover. Her cat died from an illness that the owner had been diagnosed with. So and the owner doesn't her illness is pretty much not an issue anymore. Um, so I was curious if you, what your thoughts are on whether an animal can take an illness from their two-legged parent.
3: That's outside
1: my pay grade. <laughs> Suzanne might know better than yeah, me. that. Might be I, have, a question. I get nothing on that. <laughs> I've not heard of that. Oh, oh really? really? Wow. So we're, uh, I don't even want to go there right now. But I haven't heard of okay. it and the and the professional here hasn't heard of it. So Okay. I thought you said on that. that. It's not possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought it was
2: really just very unique illness that the mom had. Um, and then all of a sudden the cat was diagnosed and crossed over very quickly.
4: Wow. Huh.
2: And I just thought, gosh, I wonder if that's even possible. But anyway, okay, well, if you don't have the answer, then (laughs) nobody does.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I, I appreciate you calling in to ask it. And I love the uplifting story about the visitation. It gives hope to everybody and I know it's possible. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Let me see, we have a couple other callers. One from Bowmanstown, PA. I don't have a name for you, but you're on the show. My caller from Bowmanstown. Do you have a question for Dr. Mosley? Okay. They are not talking, so we're going to hang up that one and move on. I don't know if perhaps Jeff hasn't screened these yet, but I do have a call from Alberta. Can you hear me? And do you have a question?
5: Yeah. Hi, Suzanne. Am I speaking to you? You are. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. It's uh, Jean Van Cleek. You did a reading for me a couple of months ago. Um, I recently lost both my dogs in the last four months.
1: Sorry, I'm going to cry. I know, I know. It's not easy. And I haven't seen them yet. But uh,
5: they're very, very
1: close. Does it take time sometimes? Did you say, does it take time sometimes? Yeah. I had oh, one dream
5: where the one was outside my front screen door and I thought she got out of the yard and she was really beautiful. And I went to let her in and I couldn't get the door open for her to come in, but she was just smiling at me. That's, that's the one I've had. So at first I, I thought you a, meant, does it take time to
1: get over the grief, but I realized you're saying, does oh, it take oh, time? <laughs> Obviously I'm still going through that, but,
5: um, uh, The one died suddenly in September, and the other one I had to put down the day before Christmas. Um, But I was just wondering, does it sometimes take time to uh, have them come around to see you?
1: Oh, sometimes it does take time, and some people may not ever notice the signs, but just please know it does not mean they don't love us. It doesn't mean they're not around us. It's a matter of resonance with the energy and what we're aware of. So... Just keep watching and being aware and talk to your animals just like you'd talk to any loved ones who have crossed the veil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. So Beth, did you bring any more stories for us before we ask any more questions and anybody with a question? 816-251-3555. We have a few more minutes left.
3: I do have one good story, but would it be okay if I read a quote about the decision process? You know, it would be. I love this. This is from a book called Goodbye, Friend, um, which I don't necessarily. It's a great book, but it's it's about the euthanasia process. But this I just love. Who is the author? Oh, sorry. Gary Kowalski He wrote a book called The Souls of Animals. Nice. This is uh, about the decision might help. Deliberately ending another creature's life is surely one of the hardest decisions we will ever have to make, but regrettably, whether through a failure of nerve or out of false optimism, hoping for improvement in an incurable condition, many people end up making the process of dying more protracted than it has to be. The word euthanasia literally means good death. In many cases, euthanasia may be an intelligent choice that provides a painless alternative to unnecessary agony. It's a little dramatic. It can ensure that the last moments we share with our pets are tranquil rather than tormented. When it is a compassionate response to suffering, it it can become a source of wisdom and a door for growth.
1: Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I I just love the compassion you bring into all of it. That is the part that's missing when people are suffering. If we are suffering over and over and tormenting ourselves over the decision, our focus can be uplifted with awareness. Yeah. looks like we have a couple more callers, and I really want to help with those questions. So all I see is that I have a caller. Let me see. I don't have a name, but say hello and we'll know if i've got you on the line well just, there you go what is your name please your first name my name is deb deb do you have a question for dr Moisley?
4: i do um four months ago one of our chihuahuas passed away his name was aspen and he was 15 and a half years old and he had gone into heart failure like over a couple week period, and I came home from work one night and my son met me at the door and he was crying and said, Oh my gosh, Mom, something's wrong. Aspen's dying. He's really, really bad. And it was after six o'clock, so we couldn't get a hold of any veterinarian's office. And he was, you mentioned earlier, some people can tell by the look in their eye. We took him outside to try to go potty and he looked at me like, It's over, Deb. <laughs> and i just felt so bad for him so i said to my son let's take him in the house and let's sit on the couch and let's just love him let's just love him and we and my son graham held him in his arms and it and we petted him and told i kept telling him it was okay to let go and within about 15 minutes he his breathing became very shallow and he looked he was laying in my son's lap uh, in his arms and he raised his head and looked right in my son's face and then he passed
1: you can't ask for a better death than that
4: really i i said to my son that was a gift from god that we that he got to die in your arms graham because and then we have another chihuahua cole who's been with aspen every day for 15 and a half years and he's just lost without him but Since then, I've had a few visits from Aspen. I'll wake up in the night thinking I hear him bark. And one night I felt like he was walking over my body in the bed, and I woke up and turned on the light because it startled me. Yeah. And I just, we miss him so much, but I'm so thankful that he didn't suffer, you know, until the very, very end and that we got to hold him as he passed so that um, he could be with us in his home where he grew up. And I I just count my blessings that we got to be there at that moment. Because my son said, Mom, I swear he waited for you to come home.
1: That's like some some people do. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. Beth, do you have any comment on that? I think that's
4: beautiful.
3: I, I think it's also really beautiful that you just, instead of focusing on your grief at the moment, that you were able to send him love and allow him to to depart on his own terms rather than um, expressing your need for him to stay. Or um, I, th- I think if you can just give them love rather than not that everybody's going to pass that way. It's, it's not very common that they pass so peacefully. I'm glad yeah. you had that experience.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny and I, love I was wonderful. A, I just got a sense of a knowing that something told me just sit and love him. Just sit and love him. And that's exactly what we did. So
1: thank you. Thank you for calling in. That's a lovely story. Thank you. All right. Well, we have, let's see, just, well, we have three minutes. Let me ask the team. Let's, I think I don't have time to call, take the other caller, Beth. So with just the remaining couple minutes, can you think of any other questions that people ask you frequently that we haven't addressed And how would you end the program with a message for everyone? Yeah,
3: I'm just sorry that it's not always such a black and white uh, time frame for everybody. Um, I would just ask everyone to just uh, think about what that animal would want, honor their soul. And um, rather than our, our need to keep them here, let them tell you what they would want. Um, and try to listen for that and just search your soul and and do the right thing for your pet as you have all along. Um, And if it's euthanasia um, to allow them to pass without going through any kind of torment or suffering, we have that privilege for them. And it's such a gift of love to allow them to pass and to let them go rather than try
1: to keep them here because we want them to stick around. We have one minute left, Beth, after that beautiful message. Tell us about this decision to move out of private practice, treating all kinds of animals in all kinds of conditions and promoting life and now helping animals cross. How, how do you describe your work now? It's,
3: it's very much after 35 years of, of practice and trying to fix things um, and realizing I can't fix everything. It's it's for me such so much more rewarding to do what I need to do for them in the final stages of their life. Sure, I miss the puppies and kittens, but um, it's just such a beautiful thing to let them go in their homes, surrounded by people they love and just to witness that human animal bond every day. It just is very heartwarming to me.
1: Well, I honor your compassion and your service. It's not for everyone and you do it so beautifully. If you, everybody could see her t-shirt paw prints on the hearts and she brought back to us, Rudy and Gretchen's paw prints, which we have in a special place in our home. And Beth, you'll have a special place in our hearts forever. And thank you for allowing all of us to honor the way our pets have passed. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, you have a great week and we'll be back with a, Another episode next week, Ask Suzanne and Sanaya, first of the month. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.
2: Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show.
4: exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.